It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Now, here's your host, Casey Hendrickson. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Casey Hendrickson here. You're listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. And we got the other guys, Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, Josh Gregory. How you doing? We're doing good, good buddy. Good to see you. Hope your week was uh, was well. We got an interesting show, and we are actually, um, obviously, we've been talking a lot about politics and money in politics. We're in the middle of an election. The debates are all happening. Social Security comes up. So we're going to spend some time on some listeners' questions. We're going to talk about Social Security, all that stuff. want to remind everybody that if you have a financial planning question, please go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can also call and leave your question on our voicemail at 574-222-2000. So, guys, uh, what do you think? Is Social Security going to uh, be around? We heard a little bit about it in the debate this um, a couple of weeks ago. Of course, it comes up in every single debate. And uh, for people who aren't drawing it yet, I mean, should they even plan on it being there? I think so. You know, I, so I've been doing this for 13 years. 13 years ago, I thought probably not. But in that time, we've introduced a, no, a new social program. And it's hard to, uh, hard to think that they're going to get rid of such a long-standing, relied-upon service while they're introducing new and other social programs. So I, I think it's going to be there. It's not like any politician, though, is giving you warm fuzzies about uh, the plan to, to get this thing figured out, though. You know, I, I'd give it a, a definite maybe on... Uh, how it's going to be, it, it'll be in some different form at some point, just out of necessity. It's just how long we're going to wait to uh, to correct the issues that are facing Social Security. The next crisis is the answer to that. No one's going to fix it until there's a crisis, until there's a problem. Yeah. That's that's how we do it here in America with the politics. So uh, I don't know, but I'm, I'm optimistic. A lot of young people that come into our office, Casey, that's one of the first things they say, oh, I, I, you know, I'm paying in Social Security, but who knows if that's going to be there. I'm hopeful. Well, see, right now, the Social Security is like a primary source of income in retirement, right? 40%. For, for uh, a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If it's around, I, I tend to think that in, in some way, shape, or form, there's going to be a government retirement program that'll probably be around, but I'm almost willing to bet it'll go down to 20, 10% of what your retirement is. So if it's there, it may not be a primary source of income for my generation and others. But, you know, I, I mean, with that said, I, I mean, how long before this thing gets tweaked and changed and is it is it broken beyond repair right now or, or what you know I don't know that it's broken beyond repair I think it's salvageable if uh, leaders get real focused on addressing the issues and you know talking about it in debates and during an election cycle that stirs up a little bit of attention but you know once these elected officials are in office what work is actually happening behind the scenes to correct it. It doesn't feel to me like any monumental movement is uh, is really occurring. Yeah, so online, nolo.com says the current predictions indicate that the Social Security Trust Fund will run out in 2037 if nothing's done, no action is taken. And at this point, if that happens, then people receiving Social Security would should expect to receive about 75% of what they were promised if there aren't any changes. I don't know. It, you know, I, I, as I said a moment ago, I think a crisis will spur a change, possibly. But that, even that prediction that it's going to be around until 2037 in its current state, that was a, a lot shorter just a few years ago. They were expecting this thing to crash and burn just actually a few years out in the future. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm sure a lot of that driving the, the positive 
movement on, on those projections is just the economy getting exactly. a little bit better. Exactly. You know, there's more people working again. And, you know, those of us that are, are drawing a paycheck are paying into the system and helping bolster the numbers. How it's, unhelpful is it, though, that you have politicians coming out and every fix that they have is to fix it for 10 or 15 years? Oh, we're going to extend it for 10 or 15 years, and then we don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, I was just about to go to some of the some of the suggested solutions. But yeah, I actually hate that idea. I mean, if it's if it's broken for the foreseeable future, don't don't give us a temporary Band-Aid. Just kick the can down the road. But Why we, do we, we like already... kicking buckets? <laughs> yeah. What is it about kicking buckets? We haven't played that as children in a long, long time as a primary <laughs> game so, for kids, but we still do it. But, the, but there are some valid ideas or options to help... The solvency help help secure it a little bit, and it were because of the market crash. We're beyond the idea of you know just investing the dollars or whatever. But here here are the kind of the leading uh, solutions as a as it stands right now. Number one is increase the wage limit so people only pay into the Social Security system up to the first hundred eighteen thousand that they make. I think it's one hundred eighteen thousand five hundred this year. And so one idea is, well, you just remove that cap. So people paying the Social Security, regardless of how much they make. Another idea is to for people that are drawing Social Security to have them pay tax on all of their Social Security. Right now, some people drawing Social Security don't pay any tax on it. Sometimes people pay tax on a portion of their Social Security. But one solution is, well, you just tax all of it. You could raise the actual FICA tax. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but the the tax that people are paying in right now uh, is comes out of FICA, so they could raise FICA tax. They could change the cost of living adjustment, so the inflation guard on there, and then ultimately, and a lot of people come back to this, well, they can just push the age out at which you're able to draw. They did that once already. They moved it from 65 to a gradual scale between you know 66 and, and 67, 68, but... Uh, they could push that out even further. So those are the, if they do any combination of those, I think they could push the solvency out or or secure Social Security for a, a long time in the future. You know what was noticeably missing in your list there was cut benefits. You know, well. pay out less to, th- that's not going to make I, the I list, noticed, right? I noticed that too. Oh. <laughs> Let's be Thank honest, you. there's some people that probably don't need the Social Security. Yeah. That's true. Well, yeah, that is an yeah, option. It, it would be incredibly unpopular and a surefire way to lose your job as a politician. But th- just the simple fact that it's not on the laundry list of things to talk about. Sure. It, it's, you know, one of these untouchables. And at some point, if we do nothing, then there's coming a day when benefits will have to be cut. And that day, that crisis moment is when the Social Security Trust Fund does run out. At that time, the only dollars that are available to be paid out in benefits are the dollars that come in in taxes. You know, that that day is not, well, 2037, that was your number, right? Yeah. Okay, so Kevin, let's let's address this, because I think you can actually cut benefits without being an unpopular position. I really do. You've said before what the amount you need to retire is. What's that number again? Ballpark for the average American. And again, it it fluctuates, we understand that, but ballpark. Yes, in the ballpark, you'd say probably... 80% 80% of your current take-home income right now. Okay. Is there a dollar amount that you can assign to that for the average? Not really, because it really depends on where you live. A dollar okay. amount in South Bend is very different than a dollar amount That's in true. Chicago or a dollar amount in Washington, D.C. or something like that. And and really, it depends on your on your lifestyle. Some sure. people like to, to do a lot of things that don't cost much money, and some people like to do stuff that costs a lot of money. All right. We're talking about Social Security, though, so to heck with yep. your lifestyle. You got boats. Okay. I mean, screw you. All right, so if we have <laughs> if we have somebody who has like a net worth 
of one or two million dollars at yeah. the time of retirement. Do you think it's a workable solution to say those people don't get Social Security? Well, you know, Donald Trump said that he'd give his back, so I think that was uh, a very generous offer. I mean, what really what you're referring to is means testing. So yeah. you say, okay, who who should sacrifice? And it sounds like everybody but me, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's in in some ways that's that's how everyone feels. But you say, okay, the people that have likely, if I've got a couple million dollars racked up on uh, in savings, uh, retirement assets, I've probably paid in close to the max my whole life. So I'm the one that has paid in the max and have done what I'm supposed to do, followed guiding principles to make sure I'm uh, accumulating wealth. I've prepared myself well for retirement, and my thank you is, hey, uh, this system that you paid into your whole life, you either get a reduced benefit or no benefit from. And, I, and I'll already get that because, uh, to Mike's point, depending on what my income is, half up to 85% of my Social Security benefit will likely be taxed anyways, which was uh, passed in 1993, one of the largest tax increases in the history of the world. I, if they draw the line somewhere and say these people who've earned this much or these people who are this young don't get any benefit, there's going to be anarchy in America. I, you've been paying into the system from every dollar, unless you're a server <laughs> and get tips. No, but you've been paying into the system for every dollar you've earned up to that 118 if you get nothing out of that, there'd be anarchy. It just would be revolt. At, at least a huge conflict between generations, right? Those yeah. who are in retirement, they've already paid into the system for their, you know, parents and grandparents. Now they're drawing and they're expecting the same thing out of their kids and grandkids. But if it's just not affordable because the demographics don't work, you know, the, the baby boomer population is so large compared to some of those that came you know, mm -hmm. after them, mm -hmm. um, the, the, the numbers start breaking down in a hurry. And in fact, they're already breaking down because if, if you look at the amount of money paid out in Social Security benefits last year, it was $891 billion with a B. We only brought in $766 billion of taxes into the Social Security Administration. Now, that's more than just retirement benefits, but already the system is paying out more in benefits to you know, anyone uh, who, who's drawing Social Security more than is coming in. Mm. Yeah, but we have I'm, a problem. Yeah, and I'm glad that Josh brought up the generational thing because is any fix for Social Security, does it really only need to be temporary? Because, and I hate to get a little more morbid here, but baby boomers are going to get older and yeah. they're eventually going to leave us. Yeah. And so that huge disparity, for those of you who don't know, my generation is paying for the benefits of senior citizens who are retired right now. The senior citizens' benefits that they paid into it, they're already gone. Sure. Uh, so right. you pay a generation ahead or several generations ahead. When the baby boomers are no longer with us, will the problem self-correct? And so anything might have to be a temporary fix in order to cover that disparity uh, between payers and, and payees. Yeah, I might be speaking out of school here. I don't think so. I, last numbers I saw is that one of the benefits of the U.S. economy versus Europe, say, is that our population actually is still growing. I think the millennial generation is numerically yeah, bigger than larger. the baby boomers. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that is a self-correct. They're kind of stupid, so they might die off. <laughs> <laughs> Which means they're not making any money or paying into Social Security. <laughs> so we're all screwed. They're fighting an uphill battle as well. Yeah. You know, they're, they're coming out of college with more sure. debt than prior generations. They're inheriting more national 
additional debt than any prior generation. They've got to buy cell phones and pay for cell phone fees every month. This yes. generation has it harder. Man. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, so we went a little bit long, and there's a couple of things we want to do. And one is there's not, believe it or not, this thing that is, is so important to everybody. A lot of Americans don't even have any idea how Social Security even works. So we're going to get into the mechanics of it, try and break it down. Maybe you'll be able to follow along with the, uh, the political debates with the politicians on Social Security a little bit uh, clearer, and, and hopefully you'll understand Social Security a little bit more. So we'll do that here in the next segment. Don't forget, we're also going to do questions a little bit later on in the program. If you have a financial planning question, please submit it at wisemoneyradio.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 574-222-2000. You're listening to Wise Money with Corn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Welcome back. Once again, you're listening to News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson here. You're listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Got Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, Josh Gregory here. We're talking about Social Security today. Uh, and a lot of people, Kevin, don't really know the mechanics of Social Security and how it works. Can you explain that in a term that would be easy to understand for people who might not be familiar with it? Sure. Well, I'll give it a shot, Casey. When you think about Social Security, think about three different components. And most folks, when they think about Social Security, they think, what am I going to get when I retire? That's when I retire, it's a, it's a component of my income. It's, uh, hopefully, I've got a three-legged stool for my retirement income and, and Social Security to be one of them. That's one of the components of Social Security, retirement income. There are a couple other components. One is disability income. So if I am completely disabled... I can receive a social security benefit. And then the, um, the last of those three components is a survivor component. So if I died today, my family would get a certain benefit until my last child was out of high school to oversimplify. So there's really, we think about it, there's a retirement benefit, there's a disability benefit, and there's a survivor benefit. Now, how is all of this calculated? Yeah, so, well, first, where does that money actually come from to pay out those benefits? It actually comes from FICA. Everyone's been dealing with that four-letter word for your entire working career. <laughs> FICA is uh, the, out of your paycheck comes 7.65%. 6.2% of that goes to the Social Security Fund, and 1.45 goes to Medicare. But that's what comes out of your paycheck. Your employer actually matches that, pays the same thing. So out of every dollar that you make, 12 point, okay, 6.2, 12.4% goes into Social Security, and that's what's supposed to fund these payments. And as Josh mentioned right now, they're not, in, they're not offsetting each other right now. The income coming in is less than what's being paid out for all of that. How it's calculated. So how do you figure out what your benefit is? One is it's based on uh, the average of 35 years of your working history. So they tally up all 35 or the highest 35 years of your working history. They average it out, divide it by 12, and they come up with a monthly number. And that monthly number gets plugged into a calculation that determines what your income benefit is. You can find out that information on your benefit statement. We used to get these statements from Social Security office three months before your birthday every year. Well, the internet came around and uh, changed that. So you can go to ssa.gov and go to My Social Security anytime and check on your benefit, visit it, say hi to it. I still get the cards. You will get it okay. every five years. So three months before your birthday, when you turn 25, when you turn 30, how old did you just turn? Thir- Thir- 35. 36? 35. <laughs> 35. Am I 35? 
I think you are. I don't know. You're just lying. Lying. Check your license, man. Every five years, 25, 30, 35. Call my wife, hold on. And then when you turn 60, you'll get it every single year. So you get that in the mail. We're a big believer in going online and checking it out, making sure everything's accurate and you know what's going on. I'm a believer in chopping down trees, so get the card. Yeah, right. (laughs) Checking for accuracy, though, that, that last comment that you just made, that's important because there are errors on a lot of people's Social Security benefit work history. You can look back. I mean, they have year by year by year. Uh, showing what earnings you paid Social Security on. I was actually just looking at one this morning and saw a couple years for one of my clients that just, it was an unusual dip where I want to ask them, you know, did you really earn that much less that year or is there a mistake here? But uh, those are things you want to get fixed because it influences what your calculation is going to be in the long run. So what do you think is the most common misconception about Social Security right now? I think it's people don't understand that they're actually eligible for two benefits at the same time. You can't draw both of them, but you're eligible, if you're married, you're eligible for your benefit or half of your spouse's. Most people don't don't understand that. I think that's the biggest misunderstanding. Another example of that would be if you lost your spouse, yep. you could be eligible for a survivor benefit when you reach age 60 or your own benefit again uh, if you've been paying into the system. So, uh, you know... Planning which one you're going to take and when is one of the most important retirement decisions that people have to make. They can screw this up big time if they don't plan ahead. Say that again. Figuring out how you draw Social Security is one of the biggest financial decisions that you're going to make, that most people make. Okay, so what is the ideal time then to draw Social Security? Like, is there a, because I mean, you just, you said it's pretty important. This is a big deal and most people don't treat it that way. So what's the ideal time to draw it? Is it as soon as possible or as late as possible? Well, that's based on an analysis of, of what your situation is because it depends on a number of things. When are you going to retire? Are you going to retire early? Are you going to retire later? Are you going to work in retirement and have income in retirement? What is your health? If your health, if you're 62 and you don't think you're going to make it till 65, draw at 62. So there are, it, yeah. it, it, it's actually much more complicated and to restate what's already been stated, this is one of the biggest financial decisions people will make in their lifetime. And it is incredibly complicated. Just like one of the most complicated investments we deal with is savings bonds, social security, any government program that you're dealing with can be incredibly complicated. The good news is it's it can be complicated in a good way. There can be ways to make decisions to maximize what you receive from social security. And if you have a couple with one taking it early, the other taking it late. There's all all kinds of different opportunities. Yeah. So what are, what are some of those tricks then? Oh, well, I, I actually, I was just going to touch on, I mean, Kevin made a lot of great points there, but social security and figuring out what the right, when the right time is for you to draw is unbelievably complex. Now I've heard of one trick though. Okay. I've heard of mom dies. You still, you hide their body in the closet. You continue to draw the benefits. Now I'm, I'm understanding that apparently that is frowned upon. That is, uh, but there's just a story about that. I mean, just, it was Michigan. I think, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, somebody of was course. doing it for years. What kind of jail time do you get for that? I wonder. Okay. So I don't want to confuse people. And actually, as we were talking about this before the show, we should actually, uh, we should actually do it's a, your full mom. Sh- a full I don't show. Know why. Hey, Casey, I'm moving on. I'm just, I'm going to move on. I'm just saying. That. So we should do a show spell out some of these unique strategies, but there are a lot of tricks with Social Security. There are traps, too. Uh, two of the tricks, one that people more and more are hearing uh, about is file and suspend, 
which means if you're married and maybe the primary, that the higher wage earner is older, that once they turn their full retirement age, they can file for Social Security, but then immediately suspend their payment. By doing that, it allows their younger spouse to begin collecting half of their benefit while their own benefit continues to grow at about an 8% rate every year. So they file and suspend. The other trick that I would just Mary mention- Mary Young. Well, there you go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other trick that I'd mention uh, is something called filing a restricted application. And that is if, you, if you're both maybe the same age and you've both reached your full retirement age, you can then file to only receive half of your spouse's and let yours continue to grow until age 70 or until some later time, and it continues to grow about 8% per year. So those are a couple of them, but those are two tricks. You try and do that before full retirement age, that's a trap. You better watch out. You're going to make one of the biggest financial mistakes of your life. Yeah, and just just for some simple concepts, for... In, in round numbers, for every $1,000 that I would receive in Social Security benefits at full retirement age, if I was going to get $1,000 of Social Security benefit at age 66, at 62, I would draw 750 so I'd have a reduced benefit. And if I didn't draw until I was 70, that $1,000 would grow to about 1320 mm-hmm. So So this is what you want to start thinking about. If I draw it earlier, I'm going to have a reduced benefit. If I draw it later, it's, I'm going to have an enhanced benefit. And when you start looking at planning and retirement planning, especially, this is where you want to at least know, because I've, I've looked at this with clients and said, look, at this is how your benefit can grow and all these other things that can happen. And they said, hey, you know what? We're happy drawing the day. We, we show me the money. It is emotional. Mm-hmm. It can be emotional, but it can be ob- objective, too. And they say, hey, look, I, well, I can still carry my luggage and I feel like traveling. I'm, I'm going to do it. I've seen what happens with, with mom when she hits about 80. She doesn't want to do anything. So give me the money today. I don't care if the crossover point is at 78. I know that I'm, you know, if, I, if I'm in the go-go years I'm in, and then slow-go and then no-go, I don't care what my benefit is in the no-go years. Yeah, the problem with that, I know we're running short on time here, Casey, but the problem with that is the biggest risk facing retirees is longevity, living too long. And so that decision of, hey, I've paid into this for 40 years, it's time for me to get mine, you kind of could be shooting yourself in the foot by doing that. Because if your greatest financial risk in retirement isn't the ups and downs of the market, but it's living too long, drawing your Social Security right away could really... Just blow up your plan. Mike Bernard's had some interesting endorsements today. Marry young, don't live a healthy lifestyle. I mean, it's been very interesting. Enlightening, but interesting. Absolutely. Anything you want to add on before we go to break? Speaking of important endorsements, uh, we will be calling your mom at break here to get proof of life, uh, just to make sure. (laughs) Check your birth certificate. Oceanfront property in Las Vegas. Check your birth certificate. That's funny. (laughs) All right. So big question that everybody has. We'll answer this uh, when we come back. Can I have the best of both worlds? I love what I do for a living. I want to keep working. I want to stay busy. Can you work and get your Social Security benefits? We'll answer that coming up on Wise Money with Corn Financial Group right here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Welcome back. Once again, you're listening to News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I want to thank you for uh, spending your Saturday morning with us. Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. And we've got Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory telling you everything about Social Security. And it's actually been quite interesting. 
I'm a geek on Social Security, though. I actually really like it, which is kind of weird considering my age. But, um, you know, we, we left off with th- there's this question. I mean, there's people out there uh, who want to work. They love what they do. They don't ever want to stop doing it, but they still want to get the extra money from Social Security. So can you work and also draw Social Security at the same time? Yes. The answer is yes. Uh, but you should pay careful attention to what your full retirement age is. Many people out there just still assume that's 65, what well, used to be 65. Now for people who are in their 60s right now, it's probably close to 66. And then for the rest of us, it's 67. So if you haven't yet reached your full retirement age and you want to draw Social Security, you can only earn a limited amount. It's about 15 grand this year. If you earn more than that, they start penalizing you and you have to pay back some of your Social Security effectively. But once you reach your full retirement age, yeah, go, yeah, come up with a startup, invent the next Facebook. Yeah, make as much money as you want and still draw Social Security, no problem. Your full Social Security. Go ahead. From full retirement age on, your Social Security benefits are not reduced by what you earn. That's right. So, you know, some people get awfully excited by the idea of double dipping in those last years of their working career. They're drawing a nice paycheck and they're getting Social Security. So, you know, you, you could work a couple of years beyond your full retirement age and bank a whole bunch of money, um, you know, right on the eve, eve of retirement. But I, I think there is uh, maybe a misconception out there that your retirement date, in other words, the day you walk away from a paycheck has to also be the same date as when you start drawing Social Security. You know, I ask people all the time, hey, when do you want to retire? And they cite their Social Security, you know, full retirement age as if the government is telling them when they have to uh, be done working. So great point. That's also you asked the question earlier. What's the biggest misconception? Uh, People have that a lot that, well, Social Security, the government tells me when I have to retire. So just like you can draw Social Security and keep working. You could also stop working and not draw Social Security, let it keep on growing. A lot of people don't realize that uh, every year that you delay Social Security, you get an 8% increase, guaranteed like clockwork. So, uh, you know, that's that's a pretty amazing increase to, to be able to count on if you're just patient, you don't need to draw the, the money right away. Let it keep on accumulating and growing. Um, it, it could could pay out a whole lot more benefits in the long run if you live long enough. What if I want to live fast and die young? Can I draw Social Security now in my 30s? No. Nice What's try. the minimum age you can draw? The 60, minimum age. 62. 62. If you're drawing on your own retirement benefit. You can retire or you can draw at age 60 if you're drawing off of a deceased spouse's benefit. What if well. your spouse is 70 and you're 24? Hmm. <laughs> you might have other problems <laughs> than figuring out when to do Social Security. Or you're brilliant. It all depends on your line of thinking there. All right, so we got uh, some listener questions, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, uh, Social Security, one of those things is going to pop up on this show on a regular basis. We try to give you a primer so you'll be better prepared when it comes up again. But if you have a financial planning question, go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can also leave us a message at 574-222-2000, and we'll address your question on the show. We have... Uh, not Mike in studio, but we got Mike, 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 Mike. Uh, I, you don't thoroughly explain the benefits of paying extra principal uh, only payments on a mortgage, especially at the rate of return on savings in the first five years of a 30-year mortgage. I think it is a disservice to not show the long-term cash savings of extra paid in the first 120 payment schedule. Will you please explain and promote what I am saying? I think it is hilarious that I came in this morning and Mike in studio here 
was spreadsheeting this very issue. He <laughs> he was proving it to himself on a spreadsheet in Excel, uh, crunching the numbers. I think so what did you come up with? I think our listeners know. I mean, you know, Josh is the smart one. Kevin's the funny one. Casey's the cool one. I am the nerd. So I am the total <laughs> financial nerd. So yeah, I spreadsheeted this thing. I don't want to lose people in the numbers, but let's pretend that you've got a $200,000 mortgage. Oh, we're out of time, Mike. Sorry. Okay. So, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> See, he's the cool one. There you go. Uh, $200,000 clown mortgage. that doesn't succeed in life is what it is. A, a 4% interest rate. If you pay an extra $100 on that over in the first five years, the four, first 60 payment, uh, your investment is $6,000. It ends up saving you $11,478 and a couple pennies. I won't share those pennies with you. So you turn your 6000 into seventeen, meaning you made 11000 on that. And it took about 18 months off of your, off of your uh, payment schedule. Mm-hmm. Now, I back into that and say, okay, well, what's your return then? On that $6,000 extra that you paid in over those five years, and it, it made you eleven grand. what's the actual return on your investment? 4%. It's a 4% because interest that's rate. The, that's the mortgage rate you're assuming. Exactly. Right? Over 28 years, you're thinking, oh my goodness, I turned six grand into 17. I made $11,000 on my six grand. That's awesome. Well, it's a 4% interest. It's You earn 4% on that. Over 28 years, could you earn more than 4% if you put those dollars somewhere else? So hear me, Mike, Mike to Mike. I, I'm not advocating that you should not put extra money on your mortgage. I personally do it. However, I want to make sure that you do that with full view of what the investment return is that you're likely to get, but also in full view that you've got the rest of your financial goals handled, that you're addressing the rest of your financial goals. Because earning 4% over 30 years, historically speaking, isn't a phenomenal return. So if you've got everything going for you, all of your retirement goals, everything, you're working with a financial planner, all of that's good to go, and you have money to apply to the mortgage, uh, principal extra. Mm-hmm. That that's probably solid. Yeah. If I, you aren't fully funding your retirement, though, it may not be the best financial decision because you're only earning four percent or whatever it is. Right. You you could you could invest or put those dollars into a tax efficient account and get more than that just in tax benefits. Right. Well, and I, I would just emphasize the point that no matter when you make extra payments on your mortgage the savings or the the rate of return that you're earning is that mortgage rate, the 4%, the 4%. number. Whether you do it early on or late, it doesn't matter. It's still a 4% rate of return. You know, the way that Mike uh, framed his comments, uh, Mike S., not Mike Bernard, uh, he, he made it sound as though he thought if you just pay extra early on in the first five years or the first 10 years, then your rate of return is just so much better. And that's not true. It's still 4% that you're saving uh, because you're reducing your, your loan balance. Is he confusing the amortization table? He, he's confusing the, the size of, uh, of the dollars that you're saving in interest over 28 okay. years. I mean, you know, you, you save 4% on a chunk of money for 28 or 30 years. It is a meaningful amount, it's but it's like still 4%. Okay. Yeah, this is why you want to make these decisions within the context of a financial plan, because you want to make sure that that the what seems like is extra money to apply towards the principal on my mortgage is truly extra money, and it's not money that I should be 
putting into my Indiana 529 plan where I could get a guaranteed immediate 20% rate of return just from the credit that I get on my state taxes for that. And there, there's it's interesting because if you spend any time on the internet at all, you'll see things you can click on that say uh, mortgage secrets that the banks don't want you to know and, yes. and other oh, things yes. like this. And so it's it's kind of the siren song that, that can lure you in. But the the fundamentals don't really change much here. The For most folks, putting money, extra money on their mortgage isn't the, the greatest potential rate of return when you look at their entire situation. But there are a lot of the, you don't have to search very far on the internet to see all these, uh, I don't know, gimmicks or uh, magic. Hey, you know, if, if you follow this strategy, mm-hmm. you're going to pay off your mortgage so much faster. No, actually, it just comes down to, are you paying extra on your principal, therefore right. saving that interest rate? That That's it. One of those tricks that caught fire several years ago was paying bi-weekly as opposed to monthly. Right. Uh, get that extra payment a year. I mean, is that something worth doing that, that you think the average person out there might be willing to do? Or is it really just not much benefit? You know, it's it's a gimmick that works for some people because if you make a half mortgage payment every couple weeks on the same schedule that you're getting a paycheck or whatever, it just feels like smaller bite size amounts and it ends up totaling up to 13 full payments uh, for for the whole year. So at the end of the day, you, you could accomplish the same thing just by setting a flat dollar amount that you're going to add extra to your mortgage every single month and just do it like clockwork. I actually like it because it helps with budgeting. I I, I actually do like you that. So as long as, <laughs> as long as you are on point with the rest of your goals, if that if that process fits really well within your budget, you should do that. Because you'll pay I, an I like extra it. month every single year. Yeah. Uh, so you shave a little bit off. Now, I do need to say this because I've actually seen this go south. You need to have meticulous records when you do that because invariably the bank will screw up and lose payments. It will happen. I've Very seen possible. it. Uh, they've seen it happen. So, all right. So, we've got uh, more questions coming up. Again, if you have a financial planning question, please go to wisemoneyradio.com or you can give us a call at 574 222 2000 and leave a voicemail. Uh, we'll lead off with uh, Jill from Granger coming up right here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Welcome back. Once again, you're tuning into Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. I'm Casey Hendrickson. Got Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, Josh Gregory from Corhorn Financial Group here. Uh, of course, you can find them online, corhorn.com. That's Corhorn with a K. And you can submit your financial planning questions at wisemoneyradio.com or leave a message at 574 so we've got Jill from Granger, also has a Social Security-themed question. My husband and I took early retirement from our jobs as teachers as soon as we were eligible for our pensions. We're both turning 62 next year. Should we draw Social Security right away? That, that's a very loaded question. Ex- excellent question, Jill. The To answer that question, you have to consider a number of factors there could be a better and a worse way to do it. And the problem with this is the the only way we'll know the right answer is at the end of your life. And <laughs> depending on how long you lived... The faster you get there, the more it's going to help us out. The, and depending, on, <laughs> depending on how long you lived and a number of other factors. But if, if Jill, if, if you and your husband have sufficient income, you can put off drawing Social Security until full retirement age, which is likely age 66 for you. And what that will do, it will, it will increase your benefit 8% a year. And in this day and age, of it's, it's uh, somewhat difficult 
uh, to come up with a, a good source of fixed income. By maximizing those, we're dealing with the longevity risk that we've been talking about the whole show today. So, and then when once you get to sixty six, one of the strategies one might want to file and suspend. So they're not. Uh, let's just say the husband files and suspends, and then Jill files and takes a survivor benefit off of the husband's benefit and a spousal benefit. A spousal survivor. benefit, yeah. right? Yeah, so, unless Casey has his uh, unless she kills him off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. survivor benefit. Yeah, sure. And so the the so it's a it it's a simple question, and the answer is can be very complicated depending on the the factors that we're dealing with. Okay, so there's not enough people in these teachers' lives encouraging them to not take Social Security at age 62. I mean, you you know all their peers, all the teachers that went before them. Yeah. They're retiring, taking their nice pension, and then starting Social Security as early as possible. There's not enough voices out there saying, hey, in the long run, if you live a a long, healthy life, you will be better off waiting. Delay it. Don't take it right now. In fact, I'd even encourage them, go start another career. You're 62. You know, even if you're just doing a job because it's it's fun or you're making some contribution to an organization or a, a charity or something like that, go, uh, go draw another paycheck by continuing to, to work. And then, you know, quite frankly, you can earn as much as you want if you're not drawing social security um, because you won't be penalized, um, you know, based on those earnings. So I'm going to one up both of you guys. Can't so, be done. Or maybe one down. I don't know. <laughs> Listeners will, will decide. Uh, I would definitely encourage that they wait to draw Social Security, and I love the idea in that time, if they're working a little bit to get some extra income, that's great. They've both got a pension. That's a huge blessing and extremely rare. Yeah. What a gift. But I would wait until full retirement age. I'd have one of them begin drawing Social Security and the other person drawing half of their spouse's Social Security. And so one person's already drawn right at full retirement age. The other person is drawing half of that. And then when that other person reaches age 70, they then switch over and start drawing their own. So it's just in that meantime, from 62 until full retirement age, well, do you have to draw down your investments to supplement your pensions? Or can you be making a contribution out there, working uh, for a little bit and and making that, that money? Uh, to go along with your pension. But I would encourage them to wait and then have one file, the other one file for just the spousal, and then at age 70, get the rest of theirs. So if they're healthy and they're living okay and they're, they're comfortable, wait. Yes. Yeah, that is that is the key. You know, if, if you know there's some sort of health concern that you're facing that's going to shorten your likely life lifetime, um, you know, drawing earlier could make sense. I don't want to bother you or, or prolong this, but if one, if, if you're married and one of you is unhealthy, but the other one is, that you may still want to delay because you get a spou- higher survivor, uh, survivor benefit. benefit. Mm-hmm. So there's just so, it, just going back to what Kevin said, there's just so much that has to go into this. Social security is so complex. The average person cannot figure it out, the optimal way to draw it. You just can't. Which is a shame, really, a shame in, in the system. So it's also good to remind our listeners that when you're leaving questions for us, the more information, the more context or background information that you provide, the more specific we could get with our answers. So help us out by uh, giving more details. 
All right, so do, do we want to tackle one about rent versus own, and we have like a minute, minute and a half, or do we want to maybe save that one for next week? It's a great question, but I don't know how long the answer is going to be. I think let's let's save it, but okay. if we were going to give some general guidelines, a lot of times this, this idea of home ownership, I think what people learned through 2008 and 2009 is home ownership is overrated. And lots and lots of people definitely overrated. Yeah, lots, lots of <laughs> folks got hurt. I wish I never bought. So there you go. We've got a testimonial right here in the studio. <laughs> I don't ever want to buy again. <laughs> Renting, <laughs> unless it's a mansion in Florida. <laughs> Renting doesn't have to be throwing money away, like a lot of people just assume. As long as you're you're doing something productive during your renting years. You know, if you're not owning a home, you're not building up equity that can help you, you know, help advance your financial life. So you need to be building up some kind of goodness in your financial life elsewhere if you're in renting mode. Could be in the form of paying down debt, could be increasing savings, getting more established in your career. Whatever it is, let the renting phase of life propel you forward by you know, just leveraging those years to uh, to do better for your financial life. Yeah, and renting gives you maximum flexibility in many different areas. I a couple of guiding principles I would say: if you're planning on renting, don't buy a pet and don't start smoking. Because most landlords, the first thing they say is no pets, no smoking. Yeah, good point. So um, just a little helpful hint out there. Yeah, you tend to get can tend to get dinged on those things because uh, I got a dog too. And he's a big dog, so. <laughs> and we've all heard about the ten thousand dollar cat. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, the landlords uh, have. With, with, uh, yeah, somebody used to do pest control for a living. I guarantee you, the cat thing—that's uh, that's a real problem. Cats are not clean creatures, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't matter what the internet tells you. <laughs> it is it is full of crazy cat people who are liars. Uh, what is it? Red Foreman from uh, that '70s show. He said, "Look, best case scenario, you get the smartest cat in the world. It still craps in your house." <laughs> right? I'm just saying. Oh, All right. Words uh, to live by right there. <laughs> I want to thank you for tuning into Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Once again, if you need financial advice, you need a financial planner, please visit Corhorn Financial Group in Granger, Indiana. Or you can also go online at corhorn.com. That is Corhorn with a K. And please, if you have a financial planning question, go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can listen to all the previous shows. You can get the podcast there, and uh, you can also submit your financial planning question with the form we have on the website. But if you don't like the internet, if you're a normal, sane person and hate the internet because it is a dangerous place to go, you can give us a call, 574-222-2000, and just leave your question right there on the voicemail. For the uh, the Corner Financial Group guys, again, Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory, I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. I want to thank you for tuning in to Wise Money with Corner Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel. Securities are offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America, Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.